0: You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would, by your Spirit, open your Word to us. That we would hear and be shaped by you in this day. To the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Um, It is a joy to be here today. And and Jeremy, it is a joy to install you as the second rector of Christ Our Hope. Um, Such a wonderful church and such good people. And and I am so thankful for you and for Liz, your family. And Rebecca and Annalisa, you have grown since the last time I saw you. It's a joy to see you as well. Well, what an odd season we're in, right? I mean, would you have predicted at the beginning of 2020 we would be where we are right now? Um, are, there are so many things that are inviting us into um, discouragement and despair, right? we're, we're dealing with a, a global pandemic and the economic fallout from that. And uh, when you're looking in our own country, we are experiencing a political divisiveness that's probably greater than have been seen in a lifetime. Oh, yeah, and there are wildfires and and floods. and um, This is quite a season that we are in. But the thing that um, I want you to know is that this actually is the season when the church is to shine. Because we are those who have a hope, and this is our time, that we can be a people of hope in a world where there often isn't much hope. And I think our reading today in Philippians gives us some insight into that. Now, the lectionary, it, it starts in the middle of the verse. This is Philippians chapter 3, um, middle of a sentence. Verse 4, it says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on. That word, press on, is actually the same word that Paul uses up in verse 6 when he is laying out his credentials to be considered righteous by the, the standards of the, of the Jewish people he says "As for zeal persecuting the church that word persecuting is actually the same word that he uses here for for pressing on and certainly there is in that a sense of his intensity in this right his his zeal in that but even more what you find here is that is that this is a testimony to god's grace right nothing else could have changed paul from one who persecuted the church to one who now is, is an apostle of the church, other than the grace of God, who radically changed who he was, radically changed what he uh, was desiring and what he was zealous for. Now in this section, uh, Paul has been addressing the Judaizers, and the Judaizers were, were people who came in to Philippi, and what they were saying was, yes, Jesus plus, Yes, believe in Jesus, but you also need to follow the law. You also need to be circumcised, especially if you weren't born as a Jewish believer. In other words, um, their righteousness was actually based on what they did, on their activity to be righteous instead of being based on what Jesus had done for them. When we have that understanding, then the good news becomes um, try harder to be good. And try harder, I'm sure you know, is never good news. There is a grace that we have, um, and and it is that that there are works that come from that. Uh, We are saved by grace through faith, but our works are produced by that. They're not a necessity in order to be saved. So Paul, earlier in this chapter, he is laying out, as I said, his credentials, and he's saying, on the basis of what they say is righteousness, I surpass all of them. My credentials are higher than any of their credentials. And yet he says, all those things I consider garbage. Literally, the word is done. All that is garbage. It's done compared to what Jesus had done for me. Jeremy, one of the things that you need to know as a rector is, is that you are not to pile expectations and obligations on the people of God. Yes, there are things that are to mark the life of a believer, but those things do not make us children of God. Those are things that flow out of being children of God. The Christian life is one that is of invitation and not one of obligation. And we understand then that... um, That the good news is not what we are supposed to do, but it's about what Jesus has done for us. This is again why Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. Even our faith is a gift from God. It is not something that we stir up. It's not something that we create. It's something that Jesus has given us. And this is what keeps us from the, the roller coaster of circumstances. When we live as if our righteousness, our standing before God, depends on what we do, then we tend to ride a rollercoaster of circumstances. Because what happens is, we interpret our circumstances around us as whether God is pleased with how good of a job we're doing or not. So things aren't going well. I must not be doing a good enough job to be righteous, and so I'm going down. Things are going up. God must love me more. If we begin to live as if our righteousness is based On our abilities then we become slave to the circumstances around us instead of seeing our circumstances through the eyes of Jesus now Paul is not saying that he's perfect in these things Um, none of us are perfect in these things until we hit the the new creation but he says but but I still press on now there are a couple of things that that can rise out of this verse that that can actually be fairly harmful One is, is that we think then that that thing of pressing on means that our life now is about striving, but instead of striving for the things of the world, my life is given to striving for the things of God. And the problem is, is that Paul is not striving to accomplish something. He is striving to live in the grace of Jesus. He's making every effort to enter into that rest. And so you find in places like 1 Corinthians fifteen ten where Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God, and his grace in me was not without effect. And here's the interesting point, because he's talking about the other apostles. He says, no, I worked harder than all of them, and yet it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was in me, that was with me, that what Paul is pressing on into is the gospel. It is living into what Jesus had done for him. But the other thing that can arise from this that, that I think can be even more harmful, is if you think, if I'm supposed to be striving and pressing on, then then I need to look at the things that, that have value and importance in my life. What are my priorities? And we can begin to think, okay, here's here's the equation. Here's the way I approach life. The first thing that's most important is Jesus, right? First God, second family, third work. Have you heard that? I want to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because what comes with that is that I now can sacrifice my family for God because he's more important. It sets things in opposition that were never meant to be in opposition. The biblical understanding is first God, period, end of sentence, done in all realms of my life. First God in my marriage, first God in my family, first God in my work, first God in the way that I spend my time, first God in the things that I enjoy and delight in. It's this place of of understanding that, that the gospel is to shape all of who we are and what we do, that our life isn't broken into separate compartments. I've got my church life, and I've got my family life, I've got my work life, that there is a wholeness there. And the things of God are to shape all of who we are. It's to shape our desires, our thoughts, our actions, and our words. In other words, the gospel is to be the thing that shapes and defines us above all else. And in a world that has, and especially in a nation that has uh, such a divided political climate, it's important to remember that the gospel is what is to shape and define us above all else. Paul is saying is that there is a goal, there is a prize, and that is to shape all of our lives. So if you are in Christ, if you have been rescued by Jesus, what that means is that you are now now a child of God. You have been made a child of God, that you have fellowship with God, that you actually have access to the Father, Because of what Jesus has done for you. And that you are now a new creation, and we are destined for the new creation. And that truth is to shape our desires, our thoughts, and our actions and our words. Paul then says in verse 15, just sort of like, I'm calling you to maturity. And if you disagree with me on these things, well, God will show you the truth. It's a neat little thing he does there. And then he comes to verse 16. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. There is so much in here. I'm just going to touch on a few things. Uh, The first thing is is that there is not some kind of secret knowledge or thing or, or new book or whatever that you need to get in order to live the Christian life. We are so tempted... To find the next thing or to find the secret thing that makes me holier or more spiritual than others. There is no um, secret thing that we need to try to attain in order to live the Christian life. This is why it says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 that, that his divine power, the Holy Spirit, has given us all that we need for life and godliness. Right? There is no extra thing that we need to try to uh, accomplish. In other words, the gospel is simple. It's not simplistic, but it's simple. And what we have to be aware of is that without even recognizing it, we can add things to the gospel. Right? We can say, yes, it's faith in Jesus, but we can live in such a way that what it comes out to is, yes, it's the gospel and being Anglican. Or it's the gospel and voting a certain way, or it's the gospel and homeschooling, or it's the, the gospel and and being successful, or it's the gospel and not sinning. Well, at least, you know, we sometimes have categories there are acceptable sins and unacceptable sins. So it's the gospel and not doing these unacceptable sins. We tend to add things on to the gospel, and there is nothing that we are to add. There is a simplicity in the gospel. But the second thing that that I think is even more important in this verse is that we are called to live up to what we have already attained. We are to live into what has been done, what has been given. He's not saying, now, strive and work hard to attain something. It has already been attained. This is what God has given us. We are to live into what we have been given. This is the call to sanctification, right? The call to sanctification, growing in grace, is to live into who we are as those who have been sanctified. So there is a a call to to live into what we are by the grace of God. Do you you hear the hope in that? There's not a, a striving to attain something. He's saying, no, you've attained this, now live into it you have been made a new creation now you need to live into the grace of that truth verse 17 join together in following my example brothers and sisters and just as you have have us as a model keep your eyes on those who live as we do now part of what paul is saying here is is i'm going to be a model not because he's like i'm all that but they didn't have the new testament to look at things right And and so he was the living New Testament for them in many ways. And again, Paul is not saying, watch me because I never make any mistakes. What he's saying is, is, look at me as a model because my life is shaped by the gospel, which has to do with our direction and our affections. Holiness is not about getting every step right. It's about heading the right direction. Because we're not going to get every step right. It's about heading the right direction, and it's about where our hearts are set. What is it that holds our affections? What shapes our desires? In the next few verses, 18 and 19, he warns them about those who claim to be believers, but their mind draws is on earthly things, that their God is actually their stomach. What he means by that is that they live to serve their appetites and their desires. This is not dealing with the problem of, of legalism with the Judaizers. This is dealing with those who say, hey, if I've been saved by grace, if all my sins are forgiven, if it doesn't depend on what I do, then woohoo, I can do anything. I, I, can, I can go live a moral life because it doesn't matter. What Paul is, is pointing at here is that, that that actually is a testimony that they do not belong to God. Right? There, there is the reality that when we have been saved, when Jesus has rescued us, it changes our identity, and that begins to show in our lives. Maybe not day to day, right? It's not that you look at, at yesterday and say, am I so much better than I was the day before? But if you look over time, you should see the effect of the grace of God in your life. So there are, there are two truths that we need to hold together as Christians and the first is that we are saved by grace his grace is greater than our sin my salvation doesn't depend on what i do it depends on what jesus has done for me and his rescue is complete it is not that he says now i've saved you now you're on your own don't blow it right that's that's not the grace of god we need to understand that that we have been saved by grace but also to understand that if we have been rescued by jesus it will show in our lives that we will be able to see the grace of god changing first our desires and then changing the ways that we think and the things that we do and the words that we say and then verses 20 and 21 he really gives in one sense a definition of what it is to be a christian but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from the lord jesus christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul's appeal to holiness is actually based on who we are, citizens of heaven, and who we will be, those who will be transformed and who will be like his glorious body in the new heavens and the new earth. His appeal is not based on moralism. It's not based on on trying to be good. Um, The believer's life is not about trying to be good or trying to be better than your average person around you. It's about living into who we are, citizens in heaven. And he says that, that our citizenship is in heaven. Not that it will be in heaven but that already heaven is our home. And that is where our citizenship is. And what he's pointing to is that when we have been rescued, as it says in Colossians 1.13, we are brought out of the dominion of darkness and put into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We are brought out of the dominion of darkness and we are rescued to be in the kingdom of God. There is no other alternative. Either you are in the dominion of darkness or you are in the kingdom of God. Another way to say it is is either you are righteous or you are unrighteous. There is no middle ground. There is no halfway point. It's not that that we are unrighteous and we're working our way to try to be righteous. Uh, that is not a biblical picture. Uh, what you see is that that we have this temptation To think that, again, this is about me, and I can work my way to being righteous. We can have sort of a sliding scale of righteousness. And we think that that when I do good things, I move up that scale. And the more I move up, the more God loves me, and the more blessed my life is. And when I mess up, I move down that scale, and God doesn't love me as much. And now my life is hard because he is withholding blessings. We, we tend to have this sense of this sliding scale, and, and what we try to do is actually locate our place on it by looking at other people. So you might say, you know, I'm not as holy as Jeremy, but I know I'm better than Bishop Ken, and, and then we, we try to find where we are by looking at others, and we miss, then, the biblical truth that we do not look at others to know where we are. What is the biblical standard to be righteous? Never sin... And never want to. So either you are righteous because you have never sinned and you've never wanted to. Or you are unrighteous. This is the glory of the gospel. This is the glory of what you find in 2 Corinthians 5.21. That God made him who had no sin, Jesus who had no sin, to be our sin. So that in him we become the righteousness of God. That I am in the kingdom of God, no longer in the dominion of darkness, not because i worked my way up, but because of the work of Jesus, I now have the righteousness of Jesus, and I stand in the kingdom of God as a child of God, no longer in the dominion of darkness. Now that there is a holiness that I have because Jesus has given that to me. I have his righteousness. Do you hear the hope in that? There is such a a hope and an ability to rest in the work of God that comes in that. What that means is that we are now under a different rule. That we are now under the authority of Jesus. Or as Paul says in Romans, we are now under the reign of grace. We are no longer under the authority of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because of our citizenship in heaven, We now have access to the Father. It says in Hebrews that we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because we enter as sons and daughters of the King of kings. We don't enter as beggars or those who don't belong. And it means that we have hope. We are awaiting the Savior to come and set up the new heavens and the new earth where there is no more sin, there is no more sorrow, there are no more tears and no division. And as it says in verse 21, that we are going to be changed right now we are children of God and what is coming is more glorious than we can even begin to imagine right here uh, you see in these two verses Paul is encapsulating something that's a truth biblically about hope hope biblically there is yes a future fulfillment something that we are looking towards to experience in fullness right that there will be our bodies will be changed for example and yet hope always biblically has a present experience. Your citizenship is in heaven. You are a child of God. hope always has a present experience, which is why it speaks about the Holy Spirit being given to us as a deposit, so that we know the fullness of what is to come. Now, citizenship is a political word. In fact, our word for politics comes from the same root. So Paul is talking about politics. Now, despite of all that we might see and experience in our day, politics is not actually a bad word. It is the art of living together well. So, um, and that's a scalable piece, right? There is a politics in our family, how we live together well. As we head into next month, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you will undoubtedly see some political family things happening, right? There there is a politics that's in our family. There's a politics that's in our community. There's a politics that's in our nation. And there is a politics that is in our world globally. Because of our rebellion in Genesis chapter 3, our politics are fallen. And that, that again, is scalable. The politics of our family is fallen. The politics of our community and our nation and our world are actually fallen. When he says that our citizenship is in heaven, what he is saying is that we are in the kingdom of God, and that means that uh, the first thing that, that we need to be faithful to is to be faithful to Jesus, who is our Lord of all of our lives, that our politic is actually shaped By being those who are citizens of heaven. Which means that that our first goal is not about winning. That's hard for some of us to believe. It's not about influencing. It's not about changing the world, reforming society, or protecting some form of government. Our first goal is to be faithful to the king as sons and daughters of the king. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't engage in the world. It doesn't mean that we don't engage in politics. But, but who we are as citizens of heaven shapes how we engage in the world and how we engage in politics. So uh, who we are as citizens of heaven is what gives a shape and an identity, what defines us as we engage. And so what this means is that this is a part that gives us a tremendous amount of hope uh, because we understand that that we are citizens of heaven and there is a king who is over the kingdom of god and over all things he holds all things in his hands so as we look at the world around us as we look at pandemic and economic problems and and racial issues and we look at at wildfires and our politically divided uh, country We have to know this truth, that God isn't pacing around heaven saying, Oh my God, I didn't see the... Excuse me. Oh myself, I I never saw this coming. What am I going to do? He is the sovereign Lord who holds all things in his hands. This did not take him by surprise. This is not something that was brought on by the devil to tear down the church. This is what God has allowed for the church to shine. That is a part of what we are called to do. We can have hope because our hope isn't anchored in current events. But our hope is anchored in the kingdom of God, which we will fully realize in the new creation, but we actually experience now. We know that Jesus is our king and he is over all things means we understand that our primary job is to be faithful to the king, which means that we need to repent of where we have knowingly or unknowingly laid over our country or our political party with the kingdom of God. We need to repent of where we have blurred the lines, which means we repent of where we have lost hope. Because when we blur the lines, it becomes my hope is in Jesus and whatever this thing is. And when that's true, then we are looking at our circumstances, and we will not be a people of hope. So are we to engage in politics? Absolutely. But we do it as citizens of heaven, which means that we engage in order to serve. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. We engage in it in order to bring peace, in order to bring blessing, in order to bring flourishing. We also then engage with it in it with a humility. Because we're not sovereign, the Lord, who knows all things. That we understand that that people and situations are much more complex than the soundbite can ever convey. This is how we have hope. In these days, we know that the call to holiness is based on who we are, citizens of heaven. That we are called to live into who we are. We are called to, to be shaped by the gospel and live into what Jesus has done to rescue us. That by his grace, we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And that is a call then to be shaped by hope instead of being shaped by fear. Because we are in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God which cannot be shaken. So when the world is shaken, we can stand firm because our standing is on Jesus and his kingdom and not on the circumstances around us. It's a call to let the gospel define us more fully and more deeply. Jeremy, your call as a rector is to actually encourage us to live into who we are, citizens of heaven, those who are recipients of his grace, those who have access, who have the righteousness of Jesus, and have hope in a world that is empty of hope will we make mistakes in this you bet it is safe to fail in the kingdom of god not that we seek to fail right but it is safe to fail in the kingdom of god because my standing for jesus doesn't depend on me getting it all right depends on what he has done and that assurance gives us the ability to risk so that we can be a kingdom presence and speak and gossip the gospel to those who are around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the one who rescues us, that it is by your work that we are saved. Father, that in the world there are all kinds of invitations to despair and be discouraged. Would you forgive us where we have Listened to those invitations. We have not been rooted in who we are as citizens of heaven. Would you, by your Spirit, anchor in us the truth of your gospel? That in a world that is empty of hope, we can be a people of hope, not smugly, but with an assurance and in humility. That we can be your kingdom presence. And Father, I ask especially that you would anoint Jeremy as he leads this congregation into what it is to be citizens of heaven here in Fort Collins and to invite others into the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. To learn more about us, please visit us on the web at www.christarhopeanglican.org.